Authentic Verdict is a movement that helps motivate people to launch and start their businesses. Whether your business is big or small, or you're just looking for motivation, this podcast is for you. We chat to inspiring founders from e-commerce, blogging, local, service and product-based businesses about the fist-pumping moments and then the dark days that you just want to give up. No two businesses are the same. However, delving into the authentic verdict of what works, what doesn't and how to cultivate that crazy mind of yours can help set you on your way. I'm your host, Katie Eels, co-founder of online sustainable skincare store, Sabia Co. Welcome. Thank you for joining The Authentic Verdict. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's good, good to be here. It's a nice, beautiful day on the coast today. Um, I love to start off every episode with what you're working on or manifesting at the moment. Um, I guess I'm manifesting my dream home in Brunswick Heads. Yes, nice. Which does seem out of reach at the moment. <laughs> Any <laughs> home on the Gold Coast sounds out of reach at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely that's the big one that I want to happen soon. Nice. And at the moment you're located in the Northern Rivers as well, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. In a little coastal town called Hastings Point. Beautiful. And for everyone who's tuning in today, do you want to introduce yourself and what you do for work? Sure. I'm Shani Thorpe. I'm a textile designer by trade and I'm the founder of Wandering Folk and we make high quality premium picnic goods and camping goods. Beautiful and they are absolutely stunning. Very unique designs. How did you end up, I guess, going back to the design side of things, how did you end up in design? Did you study or was it just kind of a natural progression for you? I've always loved art, um, but I guess I never wanted to be an art teacher. So trying to find the right area to go in was a little bit hard for me. I actually studied a TAFE course which had um, all areas of design from interior design, graphic design, and that's where I discovered textile design. Mm -hmm. Before that, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Um, So I studied that for a year and then found a uni um, in Australia, which there is only one um, RMIT in Melbourne that has a degree in textile design and moved down there and studied for three years there. Yeah, nice. And then were you doing freelancing work or did you just have a calling straight away to get into the business? I worked for a print studio for about two and a half years in Sydney, which was a leading print studio at the time where I designed prints for like every fashion label that you've probably ever heard of in Australia and um, internationally as well. Um, Some of my prints were on the catwalk for New York Fashion Week. Um, but also in Sports Girl and Cotton On and yeah. Myers and things like that. How amazing. That's incredible. Was- you never like when you look at, I guess, for me to see, you know, something on the catwalk, you assume that that's just, well, for me, I assume like it's just a pattern that they've found and they've decided to pull a design from it. But it really does go back down to like the inspiration and creating the pattern that's actually going to suit the design and the textiles. It's such a creative piece to bring together like any type of textile. Yeah, it's a really unknown world, I guess. More so now because of Instagram, um, the artists can create their own profiles and become freelancers straight out of uni. There's lots of girls doing that. But before that, you kind of didn't really hear much about textile designers. No one even knew what they were or what they did. Um, And you're essentially an artist for any kind of surface design. So you could do carpet design, wallpaper, tiles, homewares and fashion stuff. Endless opportunities. Yeah. And how did Wandering Folk come about? 
Um, I guess it came from wanting to have the final say in design briefs. (laughs) (laughs) Being a freelancer is incredible and you can do so many different um, areas of design. Um, But you, at the end of the day, you're always working to someone else's creative vision and you kind of never get to be like, oh, I think this looks good rather than they want to switch it up and and change it to someone else. So I wanted to have creative control of a project. Um, And I really wanted a product that wasn't just for the sake of creating a product. It needed to be useful um, and it really needed to be high quality with the print focused And I love camping and I just figured there was no picnics or camping rugs that were beautiful and high quality. Yeah. Um, So it kind of came around that idea. Yeah. And how old is Wondering Folk? It's in its seventh year. Wow. Exciting. Yeah. In that startup phase, like when you go from the concept of, you know, there is a problem that you're trying to solve within yourself, which I think is where the most incredible businesses are built from a place of need and desire with yourself because the passion's there, but also the need for the product is there for other consumers. In that beginning phase, did you just go, I'm going to get you know, alone, I'm going to get an investor or is it a really slow growth period and slowly building the brand and the product offering? Um, It was definitely a really slow thing um, in the beginning and quite scary, I guess, to (laughs) make that first leap. Um, I actually was going to do a Kickstarter campaign. I did all the video. My cousin's an incredible filmer and he filmed it all of me telling my story and trying to, I guess, like get that emotional effect of wanting to create this product Mm -hmm. but it was leading up to getting quite close to Christmas and I really felt like I wanted to launch for Christmas so um, my incredible uncle gave me $5,000 and said you don't need to pay me back unless you become a millionaire (laughs) so hopefully one day I can (laughs) pay him back Um, and my um, parents gave me or loaned me $5,000 and I put $5,000 towards the first lot yeah Um, And did you, in that first product offering, was there a range of different products and different prints or did you just have a pretty small selection? I had two prints, um, well, actually one print that had two different colours. So I had like a crimson colour and a turquoise colour. Yeah. And in the original rugs, did the rugs come first? Yes, in the picnic rugs. Beautiful. They are absolutely incredible. I finally got my hands on one, which is very exciting. And fast forwarding to now, I guess, you have a showroom down in Byron, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So tell us, I guess, through that commercial growth phase, like, I guess how you've, you know, slowly started to reinvest and learning like stock and product based businesses is so hard because you're making sales, but you have to always remember to keep money in the kitty to restock. And, you know, usually when you restock, it's a big amount of money. Then you have a launch, which is a pretty good amount of money coming in and it's just like this weird version of trying to figure out like what you can reinvest how have you handled that kind of growth of the actual restock and stocking the business moving into commercial spaces and growing your team um I guess I'm still trying to figure a lot of that out (laughs) I don't think everyone knows (laughs) there's definitely been a lot of winging it yeah and I was pretty bad with money, but with my business, I kept everything into the, like in the business, I was too scared to take any money from it. Yeah. Um, so I actually only took a proper wage three years ago. Yeah. 
um, because I just felt like money in the bank needed to be there to pay for product. And like you said, there's the money going in, money going out. And it's like this energy of you're like, oh my God, I have so much. Oh my God, I have none. Oh my God, I have so much. Oh my God, I have none. And it's like this vicious cycle. It's so scary. Oh, we, the biggest one with the launch that you were a part of for the BB cream, that was like so scary. Like we had a whole shipping container and I was like, fuck, we have to sell stuff to pay the rent and pay wages. Otherwise we're fucked. Yes, um, there is a lot more scary things lying on, yeah, the the business and the money and people's um, jobs as well. Yeah. So everything is a bit more calculated now, but I used to just, I guess, look in the bank account and be like, can I do that? Yep, I'll do it. Um, yeah. And ordering small amounts across a few months um, has been kind of, I guess, how I've got to the growth. Yeah. Um, but last year was by far like our biggest um, growth period yeah. where it was just a bit of a wild ride. There was only three of us. Um, two of my girls were full-time and I was part-time yeah. um, because I was a new mum as yes. well. So trying to, I guess, hold on for dear life um, <laughs> <laughs> while the business was like taking off was really quite challenging. Yeah. And my team were so incredible to get us through it. How wild like COVID has been such it's just like polar opposites for some businesses, like most e-commerce stores experience like their highest year because everyone's online. And especially for you, like a lot of people going camping, like needing that type of outdoor stuff. Whereas like other businesses, you know, like physical, you know, businesses like restaurants and stuff, they've got hit super hard. But for the product based businesses, everyone that's been on the podcast was like, fuck yeah, we loved COVID. Like so many people online shopping and just, you know, wanting to indulge in themselves because they don't have money to travel and they're not eating out and going out. So they're just buying things for themselves. Yeah. In the beginning, it was quite scary as it was for everyone. Um, we didn't really know what was going to happen or where everything was going to go. Yeah. I'm really grateful that I had a business mentor that I started with um, about, I think it was like February I started with him. Yeah. Um, oh, no, actually it might have been a few months before COVID hit. Um, so having him through to be able to guide me through yeah. all of that was pretty amazing. Um, and just be like, be safe with everything you're doing. Don't release anything um, that's crazy and out there that is not going to be a bestseller. Yeah. Um, so a rug that I just released, actually my moon shadow mm. rug was supposed to launch last year. Oh, really? And it was got, it was told to be like held back. Don't release that. Um, it's a very like niche specialized yeah. rug, um, because it's like black and gold and very like, um, I guess like cosmic. Yeah. If you would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that got held back and I wanted to do this incredible campaign, which I was able to do, but I said, I'm not going to release the rug unless I'm able to do my vision for it, which was like these beautiful girls dancing with flames and a real like sisterhood connection, um, ceremonial. That campaign was so incredible. And I think like, I think I draw, drew that vision of wanting to have your rugs in the sound healing literally from that because I was like wow I just want to be there it was looked so incredible you nailed it thank you it was really incredible um to like bring to life and my sister runs women's retreats um and is a yoga teacher and sound healer so having her home as well because she was living over in Sri Lanka so having her back because of covid it was able to all come to life yeah it was meant to be yeah 
Beautiful. And then you touched on staff. Like when did you get to the point, obviously, as every startup business, like we're usually working for someone else when we're trying to start our business. When did you finally kind of give up on that second job to really go balls to the walls with Wondering Folk? And then when were you able to bring in team and what areas did you choose to bring in team members? Um, So I guess like the first four years I did it alone and I was still in Sydney at that point um, working from my tiny little Tamarama (laughs) apartment, (laughs) packing orders on my bed. Um, And then when I moved back to Byron, which was about three years ago, might even be four now, um, I was able to get a space um, because I could afford one as opposed to Sydney prices. Um, So I could, um, I guess focus more on the business and less on freelancing Um, but I still definitely freelancing was my main focus of income for a few years after that Mm -hmm. Um, and I brought on my first employee who was Candy who was my dear friend for a really long time and an accessory designer and she had a little girl as well so she hadn't gone back into the workplace so I was able to kind of nab her at a great time (laughs) and she was yeah amazing lived and breathed wandering folk and was just there doing everything with me. Yeah. Um, and she did a lot of the product stuff um, like most recently, but she's just had another little baby. So yeah. I had to let her go oh, for a little bit for longer a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> until she's ready to come back. Um, but then I um, brought in a customer service person and they were they did marketing customer service as yeah. well. So it's kind of just like, I guess, where you're getting to the point where you just stretched and you need someone else to just come in somewhere anywhere most of them are like wear all the hats yeah Um, but after last year um, my goal this year was to really define everyone's role and people wear less hats so there's no burnout and to really like focus on what they're doing rather than you do everything (laughs) (laughs) I do everything I don't need you to do everything (laughs) I know we actually um, got a business coach I think it was at the end of last year we had like the first meeting but we didn't actually bring her on until I think maybe like February, March this year and it was the most incredible thing because it's me full-time in the business and my partner Dave is like in and out. He still does carpentry work because we can't pay him a wage that carpentry can. So I'm like, well, take the work where you can and when you can't, you can help out here. But defining our roles like made me feel this immense amount of relief being like well actually I hate accounting so why am I trying to learn it I don't get it and I don't want to learn it so just yeah finding people in niche areas that can do it better than you and you know I still pack orders and I absolutely love it and um for me it's so therapeutic I don't really think I want to give it up like it's a nice few hours out of the day where I can listen to a podcast and not have to be on my computer (laughs) Yes, that is nice. I haven't packed orders for years. I um, was happy to give that one away away. as well as accounting and I have a bookkeeper as well. Um, But yeah, we're a team of five in the office um, where I do four days and the other others, there's another one that does four days. My husband actually joined the business this year Um, and he's like operations and business, which is really incredible to have someone just there with me doing it. because me making all the decisions was getting a bit hard and I just couldn't do it on my own anymore. Yeah. Um, and then the other girls are all full-time. Yeah. And then I guess we've got like five other contractors as well 
yeah and then the, just help in and out with other business things that you need yeah <laughs> yeah like wholesale manager and yeah um accountant bookkeeper and business mentor and yeah all the people that help make help it happen. make it happen <laughs> oh because it takes a team like it's i yeah we got to a point where i was like kind of dreading coming to work because i was like fuck i really can't i get up at like four thirty and i go to bed at like nine and pretty much am working on my phone for that whole period of time and just feeling like yeah exhausted and not so passionate about skincare anymore because I was just like fuck I can't keep up with this like it's it's hard no one tells you that like nobody tells you how hard it is and I think yeah you don't know until you're in it yeah and yeah the first like four years just felt like an eternity and nothing happened and everything was an issue and there was just (laughs) way more problems than good things happening yeah but then I think there's comes a time where like things do open up for you and you're like amazing finally gets that flow and it's important for I guess most of the community that listen to this podcast are people who are inspired to either start their own business or they're working in marketing for a smaller business so they're really involved in that startup phase of business and I think the best and most important thing to remember when you're starting a business is like sometimes opening the door and having immense growth immediately isn't always the best thing because you don't have your foundations laid out and I think for us we launched and did better than we expected didn't understand restocking like we were without stock for about six weeks and I'd quit my job because I couldn't do both anymore and we didn't have the foundations laid out to have exponential growth I was just like oh well we'll you know, buy 500 kits and see if they sell. And then I was like, fuck, like, now we're out of stock for six weeks and it's Christmas. Like, this is the worst idea ever. And now, like, having the business coach especially to learn how to lay out those foundations and put things in place for people and have systems to understand when stock gets to certain levels, you know, your lead times, all these things that I didn't know about. I was like, oh, we'll just, like, see what happens. <laughs> yes, my business mentor has been an absolute game changer. Like I'm never letting him go. Yeah. Um, because I was exactly the same. We would always sell out and we would go to pack an order and be like, oh, shit. Yeah. Do, like what? We don't have any of those left? Like, <laughs> and, and it would be accidental demand um, that you've created. But you're like, I just wish I had the stock. Yeah. Um, you do, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying problem, to learn. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to learn that. And we're trying to um, flatten the curve of like, yeah, the ups and downs and to yeah. just flatten it out a bit. So it's not so dramatic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what has been summer over the past years, like some marketing things that have really spiked that curve or you've just been like, wow, that works. Let's do it again. Oh, it's so hard to say. I'm like marketing. I feel like it just it just happens and you're like when you think about strategies you're like oh I'm not really sure what my strategy was I think getting it out in the world is like wherever you can and like taking on lots of wholesale stores has been incredible in the beginning um, because people find out about you so like the main thing is like people finding out about you and if more people have it then it word of mouth has been incredible like be like wow where did you get your rug from someone it's a point of like difference from everything else that's out there so people want to ask where it's from yeah and then that kind of spreads I guess yeah and like the I guess with the wholesale like something I noticed immediately about your rug is like when you look at buying something that you're going to sit on or have on display 
you don't usually want to have like bold logo and branding but the way that you've done it is so tasteful and it lasts like I could imagine in five years time it's still going to have that is it press printed in your logo on the rugs yes yeah Yeah. and it's like tasteful branding that doesn't make you want to flip it over and be like oh cut it off like you're happy to leave it there and now that wandering folk is what it is people probably want to show it off because they're like yeah that's the brand I've got yeah I hope so yeah (laughs) I reckon for sure but yeah I guess wholesaling for small businesses that's something that we've touched on internally um with our growth as well because it was something that I couldn't do like I couldn't hope when someone would message I'd be like I don't have the capacity to even figure out what I should charge you and we've luckily found Lily who's our wholesale agent who has just like taken over that whole realm but it helps when someone you know it builds cramp brand credibility if someone sees you on the iconic or at a store that they love and trust they're like oh okay well I've seen that a couple of times now I'll get it instead of being like oh what's this new company I don't really know what anything about them there's no brand credibility so I think wholesale is such an incredible way to build like brand awareness and get your name out there for sure in the early days like it's it's amazing and then having those incredible um, stores that want to represent you um, so really trying to nurture them as well yeah. along the process. And we're putting a little bit of effort into that now that we've got a whole person dedicated to looking after our relationships with our stores. Yeah. Um, because before that, we were at capacity and, um, yeah, staff were just – it was too much. Yeah. Um, we've got, like, over 100 wholesale stores, um, Australia and globally yeah. as well. So it was kind of a lot to manage. So, yeah, really nurturing those relationships and making sure the product looks really good in store and people can come in and, like, feel the quality of it and that um, is really what sells it as well. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned that you have a little one. How have you transitioned in that phase of business, like managing your work-life balance hats? Uh, Haven't quite (laughs) figured it out yet. (laughs) The balance is more like a juggle. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's been pretty wild. Um, adding a um, baby to a like crazy business is like, yeah, you've <laughs> essentially got your first baby and then your real baby comes along. So it's yeah. like, who do I give more time to? <laughs> um, but I think like, yeah, I, ha- I definitely haven't figured out the balance. Um, I feel like my entire life is one giant rush at the moment, mm-hmm. um, rushing to daycare, rushing to work, rushing home and yeah. bedtime routine. Um, but it... I think it's slowly getting a bit better. She's in daycare three days a week, um, which she loves and we love having time um, away as well. But yeah, I have one day with her a week and my husband has one day with her. Yeah. And that's really nice to have that during the week um, rather than her being in daycare the whole time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm still working at night and things like that when I have the energy to keep going. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um I yeah I don't know how the people do it it's I, crazy <laughs> it's pretty like, wild <laughs> it's I can't imagine it like even at the moment like we're planning a wedding on top of work and I'm like fuck like I can't do two things at once like this is really hard <laughs> yes parenting is by far a full-time job yeah and then adding a business on top of that and you've also got staff that you need to nurture as well so like being there for them sometimes it's all a bit overwhelming and hard but um yeah I'm really grateful that I've got my husband that's now able to like pick up when I'm like yeah not really in all the areas that I should be I guess yeah and when all those balls are kind of up in the air do you have any practices that you come back to to help ground you down 
yeah, I love yoga. Yeah. I um, have been trying to do that at least two to three times a week. Um, it just clears my mind and grounds me when yeah. I'm kind of spinning out of control. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like I noticed I used to actually teach yoga and then I just got so like not over it, but I, I don't know what happened when I started the business. I was like, oh, it's like a waste of my time to stretch for an hour. I could be doing something. And then I'll get to a point where I feel like really like tense and like shitty at everything. And I'm like, oh, I really just need to do yoga again. Like it's not a waste of time to stretch for an hour. It's really important and it does magic. And no one can contact you. Like yeah. you're away, you're just in your, like finding your own time is so hard, especially when you're a mum as well. Like there's always a little human climbing all over you. So like <laughs> you never get time for yourself. And then if you are sitting there on the couch, you're most likely on your phone, like writing back to messages on Instagram and all those kinds of things. So yeah, yeah that hour is bliss. It's heaven. And over the last seven years, have there been any standout moments that you just like, wow, I can't believe that I've created such an incredible business? Um, the, I guess there has been a few big um, standouts. One would be um, getting Spell as my one of my, I think it was like my third wholesale store wow, yeah. in the really early days. And then having their support throughout the years has been pretty incredible for me and having that community. Yeah. Um, also just creating the community. I think that's so important. Relationships are so important to me. So building an incredible community with our customers and people out there, as well as like just having friends that um, have businesses as well, people that I admire that are now like part of my community yeah. has been um, pretty amazing. In some situations we've um, been on a in a helicopter to go on a picnic to this remote place oh. <laughs> in New Zealand and we're just like how on earth did we end up here this is just incredible like to have a picnic rug business and like end up in these amazing experiences yeah um, yeah it's it's pretty awesome that's incredible wow <laughs> to have spell like I think I love that I guess for me the reason I started the podcast was because I wanted a sense of community and you spend as a startup business so much time on your own in front of a computer. It can be quite, um, I don't know, I guess you quite kind of get a bit lonely. You don't have time to do all the things with your friends that you normally usually would do after work or go for walks in the mornings. And I just felt like I wanted to have that sense of community and other local business owners that, you know, when we hold events and things like that, like we have, I guess, a close-knit community that are full and there to support each other in different phases of business. And like now, since doing the podcast, a lot of the guests like reach out with different ideas or they're struggling with something and it might be something I'm actually going through at the same time. And I'm like, wow, like I'm so grateful that I do have this community of other business owners because as much as your friends, you know, sympathize and understand what you're going through, they're not actually in the grit of it and they don't fully get like what it can feel like to have, you know, like stock be late and the launch go late or like all these things up in the air at once like you it's so easy for friends to be like oh it's fine you'll get you make it work like you always make it work but sometimes other business owners can be like oh fuck like I know what that feels like <laughs> yes very much so I my really close friends have got um Will and Bear the hat company yeah and they are 
um, just a guiding force for me because I literally talk to laws like every week. I'm like, how did you do this? What happened here? Like, how do I do this? What am I going to do here? Like, she's amazing because there are a few um, years, I guess, ahead of me in terms of where their business is at. But having that like peer kind of mentorship where someone's already been through it maybe a few months before or like maybe and then you can pass that on to someone else that I've got friends that are just starting businesses that I'm like ask me anything like I've learned a lot of the things the hard way and I wish (laughs) like I literally didn't have any I didn't know a single person that had started a business um I met my first friend that started a business when I was in Sydney a few years into it um before my production had arrived and she was such a big help with I was like how do you post things out how do you do this isn't it funny like you have this idea and then it comes to it like I remember when we like two weeks before launching and I was like fuck what do we put it in when we post it like I don't know what to put it in (laughs) and yeah like just so many things that you're like I I don't know (laughs) Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm a walking post office most of the time. Like, you know, everything about all of the places and what things should go in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having though that community of those people that you can call is amazing. And it didn't happen for me for a really long time. So it was like I had my one friend who was just like we used to just talk at each other, I think, <laughs> like about our business problems, which was great for our partners because when we went home, they didn't have to hear from us. Yeah. Um, And we actually got a space together when I moved back up um, to Byron. She was from Sydney and moved up as well. Yeah. So that was probably one of the funnest times when it was just me and her in the office and we knew each other's businesses inside out. And we were like, I guess, each other's staff in terms of things. Um, And then we actually moved to our new space where we have a shop front and now we're next to her. She has crystal oh, night jewellery. That's amazing. Um, so we're neighbours. We weren't ready to like Let leave go. each other. <laughs> no, that's epic. Yeah. But in that, that little community, we had um, Arca movement as well. Um, yeah. The three of us were sharing in a big um, collective oh, space. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Which was just amazing. It's what I loved the most about being in a creative like work environment, like working in a studio, bouncing ideas off other people mm-hmm. and being a freelancer at home you just didn't get that I missed that um everyone that has been working from home for essentially nearly two years knows that working from home is not the dream that everyone thinks it is it's lonely and it's hard so yeah just having that one other person two other people like in the room with you that you get to go to work with yeah and bouncing ideas I think is the the biggest thing like we actually our first warehouse was next door and there's three offices there and I loved that I could just bounce ideas off them even though they don't do product business but they did marketing and I loved you know having that sense of community and then when we outgrew the space and we moved here I would often just go over there with my laptop all day every day anyway because I was like well this is such a big space for just me (laughs) I'm lonely and bored and I don't know what to do (laughs) I know yeah it's it's great to have other people And what would, if someone was listening in today and thinking about starting their business, what is some game-changing advice that you're happy to share for someone in that really new startup phase? Reach out to someone that has a business and ask questions. Like, I think 
when I was a freelancer, I used to reach out to freelancers all the time with like a million questions because I just wanted to know more. Um, and I think as soon as I found someone that would maybe know the answer to that, I would reach out to them. So like there's people out there that are probably in your network that you can find that knows the answer and that can help you and make it a bit easier because there is like the list is just a million miles long when you're starting a business. There's so many things you've got to think of. Um, lots of like legal stuff that you need um, mm. in terms of like packaging and what you need to have on your product when you're importing it, swing tags and branding and all of those things. So like if you have someone that's like at your fingertips that can guide you along and make that process a little bit um, easier. And less daunting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is a scary, uh, yeah, even with skincare, it's pretty wild. Um, and it was such a hard like we definitely spent fortune on lawyers and making sure things were correct. And then, you know, getting bottles that had the, you know, didn't have the right labeling and then having to just essentially send them back and get them re-dipped because all of ours are custom dipped. It's just like an expensive learning curve of just, yeah, you don't know until you're in it. And if you can ask someone else who's in a similar business, like why not? Yeah, you also learn from your mistakes and unfortunately the bigger your business gets, the more the cost, the mistake costs. Yeah. And it's like pretty hard when it's not you, it's one of your staff that makes that big mistake and yeah. costs you a lot of money. But without that, you wouldn't learn and you wouldn't be here without all yeah. of your mistakes. And setting in different little steps to double check and triple check. <laughs> yeah. And it's how it evolves as well. Like um, I found with staff when things were like mistakes happen it was because I hadn't defined roles properly and um, there was too many people involved in one process when really that one person should have been involved and then they could have um, done it right but having two people in there doing the same thing is what how the mistake happened so yeah I guess coming back to to that and like really defining people's roles more yeah. so they have ownership of what they're doing 100% do you have a favourite quote that you kind of live by when times are good or even bad that kind of just picks you up and keeps you going? Yeah, one that I think I've, for as long as I can remember, this has been mine, it's on my freelance website as well. Um, Believe You Can and You're Halfway There. Oh, it's beautiful. by Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And yeah, it's a pretty good one. That's epic. I've hundred <laughs> percent. And for anyone listening today that wants to follow along on maybe your freelancing journey or definitely your business, where can they find you on socials? So you can find Wandering Folk at Wandering Folk on Instagram and my personal Shani Thorpe for some of my colourful life and print work on there. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm sure everyone's going to love it. Thanks for having me. Bye.